20. Psalm 20. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. May the Lord God answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Selah. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of our God we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, may the king answer us when we call. This is a psalm of trust. David calls out to God as they are about to enter the battlefield. God gave David deliverance in battle. If there's anything you're going through, never forget that if you trust in God, he will always work things out and deliver you. Before we start praising God, let us recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's praise Jesus. Every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee 
this treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to
Give the 
Uh, this is the time we, uh, we, we do communion. They told me to switch mics because this mic is for communion. And that mic is for singing. And I asked that guy, I said, well, what if I'm up here and I break out in song? I said, you got to switch mics. I'm not going to do that. Of course, I'm not going to break out in song here. So. So this time in the service is when we look back at what Jesus did for us and what he did for the whole world. And that's what the whole world needs is what, what we got they need, right? So the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and the night that Jesus was betrayed, this is what he told them to do. That's what Jesus told them to do. If I can see this. For I have received of the Lord... That which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, which manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you do, as you drink this, eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And when he comes, we're all going to see him, right? And that's what my desire is. I want to see what the Lord looks like. So that's what we do here when we uh, take communion. We look back and see what he did. His body was broken for us. The stripes he took on his back was for healing. And healing is in the atonement, folks. You know that? When he atoned for our sins, he atoned for the, 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 the sicknesses that the devil would put on us. And, we, and it's there. Healing's there for you. Sister, if you just reach out and get it, it's there for us. Praise God. Well, anyway, let's all pray. Lord God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our lives, the salvation that you bring, Lord, and the healing that you bring. And we ask you, Lord, as we do this communion, as we look back and remember what Jesus did on Calvary, took our sins and he healed us of our diseases. And we give you thanks for it, Lord. And we give you the praise for we ask it all in the gracious name of the King. And his name is Jesus.
Amy, you wouldn't want to hear that. Um, now is the time for announcements. Uh, the Matthew 25 Ministries pill bottle donation is out in the hallway. If you have empty pill bottles, please bring them in to donate to Matthew 25. Um, also, you're, we use the used ink cartridges to help pay for our office supplies. So if you have any at work or at home, please bring those in as well. The food and clothes, food pantry and clothes closet is every Thursday and the first Saturday of the month. If you haven't come to help us, it's really a, um, it's a great time to come and meet some people in the community, help people. We have lots of clothes that we go through every week. And um, if anybody's ever interested in coming, we would love to have you. Uh, we have our women's Bible study starting back up, the Empty Nesters, Thursday at 10 o'clock. It will start March 3rd. If you need, if you would like to join us, we'd love to have you. We're going to study the book of Galatians. And if you need a book, please just let Sharon Ponshot know. They're free of charge. We have free ladies dance fitness every Tuesday and Thursday at 6.30. I have yet to do that, but I hear it's really fun. Maybe someday I'll try that. Um, so please join us. I believe kids, can children come as well? Up to a certain age? Okay. Okay. It's for all ages. 
let's just say that. Okay, family appetizer and game night is Friday, February 18th at 6.30. We do have a sign-up sheet in the back. If you don't sign up and that day comes and you decide you want to come, please come. Everybody's welcome. We'll have games for kids as well as adults. Um, Tithes and offerings are boxes right back there by the doorway. You can put your um, tithe in that box. Um, Also, we... um, Yesterday, we packed some um, blessing bags. If they're out there in the hallway, if you drive downtown or really anywhere and you'd like to have some in your car and you see someone that you think would need it, feel free to take some. We'd love for you to do that. Thank you. me just one second to get set up here. Well, Derek decided he wanted to take a day off, so I'm stepping in. You guys have to settle for me. This message is going to be a tough one. It was a tough one for me to write. When I was writing it, I stepped on my own toes, so I'll probably step on your toes too. So let's just go ahead and get started. If you were here last time I stood in front of you, we looked at the last part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 7. Today we will be reading from Philippians 2, 1 through 16. Turn in your Bibles to that passage, and once you get there, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Before we get started, let us pray. If you guys will go ahead and stand. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for your many wonderful blessings and into the snow. As we gather today, teach us what it is you want us to learn. Open our minds to your word. Lead and guide us as we delve into your words. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. The title of today's sermon is Love Through Humility. The Word of God says, Therefore, if any uh, consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my love by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Let this mind be in, in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in an appearance as a, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above all names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father therefore my beloved as you've always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in in my absence work out your salvation with fear and trembling 
For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom shine among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You may be seated. (coughs) During the 2016 election cycle, Miles Warrens wrote an article in which he says, As a nation... America has shown to be not as gentle with each other as we profess, nor as generous with outsiders as our monuments hold, nor the land of promise for all members of society. As a political process, this election has shown our electoral process is not a rational event, but a gut-level feeding frenzy informed by passions and memes more than policy and argument. But this election has been damningly relevatory for the Christian church. We have been shown to be far more susceptible to the promise of power and influence than we hoped. We've been more shown or we've been shown to be more informed by party lines which grind the meat of the gospel down to gristle and fat than by a gospel that is comprehensive in nature and is not contained but in full by any platform. We've been shown we are a people far more interested in our self-interest than in our neighbors. We've been shown we are willing to divide ourselves en masse from other Christians for the sake of donkeys and elephants who will never love us back. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a problem. It's an issue that runs deep in this church, and it's been developing for some time. Now, when I say the church, I mean the whole body of Christ worldwide, not just in this room. We become so enamored with who the president is or which political party people belong to that we've lost sight for the true calling of all Christians that we see in Matthew 28, 19-20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded to you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. When did we get away from the Great Commission that I just read? When did we lose sight of what Christ called us to do? As Christians, our focus must be on leading people to Christ, not being consumed with the world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I read an article a few days ago where a fight broke out at a Golden Corral restaurant in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. You guys may have heard about this. Forty people throwing not only fists, but chairs as well. Why? They ran out of steak. Steak. People were throwing down over steak. In another article, people were taken to social media to criticize a cartoon elephant in the movie Sing 2 because she sang happy birthday to her grandfather. They called her needy. Really? This world consumes itself with such as a lack of steak or a cartoon singing elephant. And even more so, the world has consumed itself with prestige and power. They worry about who's living in the White House 
where over time the body of Christ and over time the body of Christ has turned its back on the Great Commission and has mirrored itself with the world. In the book Will the Real Heretics Please Stand Up, author David Berceau writes No one can serve two masters, declared Jesus to his disciples. Quote Matthew six twenty four. However, Christians have spent the greater portion of the past two millenniums apparently trying to prove Jesus wrong. We have told ourselves that we can have we can indeed have both things. We can have both the things of God and the things of the world. Many of us live our lives no differently than do conservative non-Christians, except for the fact that we ch- attend church each week. We watch the same entertainment, we share the same concerns about the problems of the world, and we are frequently just as involved in the world's commercial and materialistic pursuits. Often our being not of this world exists in theory more than practice. The church has started to play a dangerous game of putting politicians and politics over people. We have started to care about who someone has voted for or what political party they belong to. In recent years, Christians have started to turn their back on those who claim to be liberal or voted for Joe Biden or Barack Obama. They've also turned against their fellow Christians who may not share the same views on issues or are not political altogether. For so goes on to write, Evangelicals often pride themselves for opposing worldly attitudes and trends. But in reality, what we so often oppose is merely the liberal segment of the world. Once a practice is accepted by the conservative element, the church soon follows in stride. Pastor Mike Edmonston says, It is easy to slide into a position where we have politics that inform our faith instead of a faith that informs our politics. We've started to manipulate God's word to fit our political views instead of manipulating our political positions to fit God's word. Christians have become so divided on many issues. There are many people that have claimed that if you did not vote for Donald Trump, you're not a real Christian. I've heard them. I've had people say that to me. Is Donald Trump is as if Donald Trump is some sort of deity. There are Christians out there that claim to follow Christ, but they hold politicians or sports figures or other pastors in higher esteem. In Exodus 20 verse 3, the first commandment says, "You shall have no other gods before me." And the second is in verse 4, "You shall not make yourself any carved image, any likeness, of anything that is in heaven or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of people who hate me but showing mercy to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. By holding men higher than we hold Christ, and by holding the, teacher, the teachings of men higher than the teachings of Christ, we have broken the first two commandments. Christians here in America and abroad have become so vocal about their political affiliations that they've destroyed the witness for Christ. Look at their social media pages. <clears throat> there will be one post proclaiming Christ as the only risen Lord, 
and the next is a profanity-ridden name-calling degrading post about the president or the people that do not share the same views as them. It is no wonder that people do not come to Christ or have fallen away from the church. They cannot see who Christ is because we are not living as Christ lived. We've lost the narrow road. We've turned our back on what really matters, the Great Commission, sharing who Christ is, and we've started to chase after men and women of the world who, unless they are saved and are walking the narrow road or on the highway to hell. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot degrade people who do not share our political views on vaccines or politics simply because we believe that donkeys or elephants are right. Stop trying to conform the gospel to fit your politics. After all, in Romans 13, we are told to submit to the government. Romans 13.1 says, Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and authorities that exist are appointed by God. Notice that last part. And the authorities that are exist are appointed by God. Please understand that the only reason Joe Biden or Donald Trump is in power is because God has allowed it. We may not know why, and it may not be revealed for a long time, but it is God's will for them to be in power. To degrade the president and the people that support the president is to degrade the power of God. In the Nelson Study Bible, New King James Version, the note for 13.1 says, God, the Supreme Sovereign, has ordained that there should be governing authorities. Every believer is to be subject to these various authorities. Even if these authorities are evil as Nero, the emperor of Rome who cruelly persecuted Christians. When Paul wrote this letter, Nero was in power. Yet Paul exhorted the Roman believers to submit to Nero's authority because that authority was ordained by God. Look at what Paul says in the next verse, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment upon themselves. If we receive or resist the government and those appointed over us, then we can bring judgment upon ourselves. Paul continues in verses 5 through 7. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but because of conscience' sake. For because of this you may, must also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to do this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, and fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. And in Daniel 2.21, the prophet Daniel writes, He removes kings, and he raises up kings. In 1 Peter 2.13-17, Peter says, Therefore submit yourselves to the government, to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For the sake of this... is. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may be put, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free yet not using liberty as a cloak, but as a bondservant of God. We refuse to show love towards our fellow man simply because how they voted. Instead, we need to be praying for them. Jesus says in Matthew five 
43 through 45. You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. We are told we must pray for our enemies. I was in college during 9-11, and I was a member of the Baptist Student Union. During the Bible study, we were asked what we were praying for. Someone in our group said that they were praying for Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein to be saved before they were killed so that they could make it to heaven. Everyone in my group was taken aback, as I imagine some, um, some in here are. I was. They asked him, how can you do that? That is un-American. That person's response, I am a Christian before I'm an American. We are Christians before we are Americans. We are Christians before anything else. Being an American will mean nothing in the kingdom of God. Loving others and believing in Christ and walking the narrow road is all that will matter. Now as Christians, you would think we would not want to be a part of this world that we would want to separate ourselves from the wicked and perverse generation, a world that loses their mind over steak and singing elephants. But we have not separated ourselves. We have become so consumed with our self-interest, we've forgotten to take care of our neighbors as well. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 2.4. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but the interests of others. We are told that we must look out for others as well. Jesus, while on earth, performed many miracles and showed us through his undying love that we must show love to others. Paul shows us in Philippians 2, 7-8, but made himself Jesus, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. Jesus came as a bondservant. During Christ's time, a bondservant was the lowest rung on the social ladder. He was a nobody, a commoner. Yet he is God. He could have easily said to love each other, and that would have been enough. But he did even more. He showed us. In the book of John, we see Christ washing the feet of his disciples. After washing their feet, Jesus said in John 13, 14-15, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of one another. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now am I saying that you should go and take off people's shoes and start washing their feet? No. That might get you kicked in the head. However, we can replicate the love of Christ that was displayed there by simply looking out for the interests of others and serving others, not just ourselves. 1 John 2, 9-11 says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If we hate those who do not share our opinions those who are different political parties, then we do not love Christ and we are not abiding in him. Things have gotten so bad in the American church in general 
that for the first time in U.S. history, Christian missionaries from around the globe have been sent to America to share the gospel of Christ to Americans. Author Rebecca Kim says, Missionaries in America view the United States as a Christian nation in trouble. America has lost its spiritual fire with growing materialism, secularism, humanism, and sexual immorality. It is no longer a city on a hill or a beacon of light. It may even become like the now secular and dark continent of Europe. Although the United States is a predominantly Christian and a dominant missionary-sending nation, it is framed as a nation that has lost its foothold as a leading Christian influence. Its churches are great in number, but they are weak in spirit. Missionaries are therefore needed to bring a spiritual revival in America. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, this is embarrassing. We cry out for a revival, yet we do not trust God. We attack our leaders and those who oppose us. I heard a sermon recently that states that since 2016, more Iranians are becoming Christians than in the last 13 centuries combined. In a country where they will simply shoot you for saying the name of Christ, they are gaining Christians. But in a nation with the most freedom in the world, America is loosening Christians and its spirit. So what can we do about this? Christ tells us in Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. If we seek God first in all things, then we will start putting our focus on the only risen Lord, and we will take our focus off the men that we were appointed by God. We also need to live out John 3.30, which says, He must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, we need to let God take control of our lives. If we do this, then in the end, it will not matter who the president is, because the God we serve put him into power, and the God we serve can take him out of power. The God we serve ranks outranks all leaders. Focus on the Great Commission. Protect your words. Let people see Christ in you so they may come to believe. We've heard it said this saying so that some might be saved. In all things, we must live this attitude. Follow Christ's example that we read, we read in the text today. Humble yourself before the Lord as Christ did. Become a bondservant, serving those both in and out of the body of Christ. Stop worrying about who voted for who and what political party people belong to. Live out Matthew 7:12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them for the law of the prophets. We've all been taught in school that this is the golden rule. <clears throat> we need to get back to the golden rule and pour ourselves out of a world that is consumed with evil and wickedness and be a set, of, set apart from the world. Philippians 2:15 says, If we do this, we will become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you will shine those lights in the world. Finally, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. He's a Christian singer, evangelist, and pastor. He lives in Finland, and a lot of you may know him. His name is Pontus Back. He travels around Europe and the U.S. sharing the gospel. He recently shared on Facebook that the Christians that support his mission trips financially have stopped backing him because he is pro-vaccine. 
I've said in my previous sermons, do not be the reason that people don't come to know Christ. What are we doing here? We become so enamored with our opinion that we refuse to support someone who's spreading God's word. He also told me that when he was vocal about his support for Trump, that he lost his whole ministry in Germany. As Christians, we have to do better. We cannot destroy our witness to people by posting political memes and sharing our political opinions. Christ was not political and never concerned himself with politics. If you support one side, the other side will not listen. And if you're in the middle, neither side will listen. We cannot serve two masters. Our focus always needs to be on Christ and his will. If we are political, we lose all credibility in our witness for Christ. As Pontus told me, those who put their opinion about vaccines and politics in the public never thought about the fact that they will only reach those who agree with their opinion. We are called to serve in a lost and dying world, to share the gospel with that world, but never to love the world. We need to keep our feet on the narrow road so that in the end, as Philippians 2 says, we can rejoice in the day of Christ. In closing, I'm challenging you to be careful with your words. We risk destroying our witness and the witness of other Christians as well. And Christ tells us we will give an account for every word we say. Do not be the reason that people do not come to know Christ. Because in the end, as Paul Washer says, the most important thing in the world is that uh, is that you do not know Jesus Christ. The most important thing in the world is that Jesus Christ knows you. Let us pray. Father God, if there's anything we've done to hurt our witness for you, then forgive us. Thank you for your words and for being faithful and just to forgive us. Help us as we travel the narrow road. Lead and guide our steps as we traverse a world that is lost. Help us to be shining lights of the world so that some might be saved. Not that we would not that we would receive all the glory, but that you would. Protect us as we travel home today. Keep us safe throughout the week. And always thank you for being the author of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are not a follower of Christ, today is the day of salvation. If you would like to know more about Christ or to accept him as your Lord and Savior, or if you need prayer or healing for anything else, myself along with the other deacons and elders will be here after service. Before you go, let me speak the um, blessing of God over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.